Just take a moment to admire the fact I just hit a fairway. There's, there's, there's only two things that can happen. You can hit a good shot or a bad shot, so why waste time doing it? And where I would go, I, wherever I set course records or whatever, I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf, making every 20-footer I looked at. Right at it. Right at it! Oh! John He's done it again! This is the dumbest hole I've ever played in my life. Come on then, Shane. Knock it close. Shane Lowry is the Open champion. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Fairway Finders. We are on episode number 16. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have a full man team this week. Unfortunately, Donica wasn't feeling the best. So it's just myself and Steve. How are we doing, Steve? Doing well. Doing well. Disappointing not to have um, one of the partners in crime with us, but we, we knew he was soft anyway. He's, he's from Dublin, so <laughs> yeah, we, we might see him back next year or next week. <laughs> next year. Next year. You never know with, with those fellas, you know. It's a, it's a cultural business, you know. We might have a, a new host next week. Like, you never know. Showbiz, baby. Showbiz. Showbiz. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we had um we had the Sanderson's uh tournament last, I think last weekend. That was the that was the main one. We obviously had our Europe as well, but um, you know, great win win even um by Sam Burns. Uh we came close enough on a few of our picks in terms of placings. I know I had Willie Z who just missed out by I think a shot or two. So um did you catch like much of it or I did so I caught a good bit of the I was awake no hangover free on Sunday morning so I watched nice. uh, a good bit of the golf uh, over in Europe uh, the Alfred Dunhill links which was a re- really really good finish and then I caught a little bit of the um, the PGA Tour on Sunday afternoon um, but I have to say most of my bets are all of my bets are out of contention so probably paid more attention to the the NFL Sunday than I did Fair, to the golf yeah, to, but uh, I- to be honest now, after I think it was the first or second day, um, Willie Zalatoris was like up, up, up there. And I was like, oh, fuck, yes, he's going to stroll this now. And then just just didn't really push on after that. Like, I think he was leading after it was the first or second. I think it was the second round. At least he was at least he was co, co-leader a, a, after it. And just, I don't know, just Sam Burns has really kicked on and just, you know, fair play to him. Like, just, you know, pretty, wanted pretty, pretty decently. And, you know, he's world world ranking now is 18 and which is you know which puts him ahead of like the likes of Matsuyama Paul Paul Casey you know like big big names like so I know he's obviously number one as well in the FedEx Cup which would be a decent way to uh finish off your 2021 when I yeah yeah obviously a lot a long way to go from a, a FedEx Cup standpoint but I think um Going back to 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 Zalatoris that you mentioned, I think it just probably highlights how difficult it is to win win on tour uh, these days. I mean, Zalatoris again. I keep saying that he is going to win at some point. I think this is his this is his year. And, and if you want to uh, set aside ten dollars every week to bet on him outright to win, you're you're going to cash a ticket at some point. But mm-hmm. um, it, it's only a matter of time. And uh, going back to Burns, he's just found. A, a really a new gear um over the last i don't know what he's been doing over the last three four weeks but his game's just gone to a new level and um, the, the stats that if you break down the the strokes gain stats of his performance last week so um he was first off the tee uh in the field strokes gained he was second on approach strokes gained so obviously he's first tee to green and he's actually 57th in the field in potting and he, he lost almost half a stroke to the field um, f- from a putting perspective, but still was able to get the job done. So um, 
pretty incredible performance from a, a ball striking standpoint. And without uh, jumping the gun too much, this week's event is a, a ball striker's field as well. So, look, I, I, I'd love to back Sandbars to, to go three in a row, but but I just can't. Um, I, and the other thing to, to look at as well is um, there's two different ways that you can win a golf tournament. So um, Nick Watney was second uh, on 21 under, one shot back. He was um, first in the field for strokes gain putting, and he was average for the other stats. So to it seems to, to win a golf tournament, you'd have to be uh, striping the ball with the irons, knocking it close and, and knocking in a couple of putts every now and then, or else you just have to be lights out with the putter like Nick Watney was mm. um, this week. So, yeah, no, it was a good event and and uh, obviously looking forward to to next week as well. Yeah, because he was, in, it was actually was interesting because I was like, I was looking up some of the stats myself earlier and as you said, his putting didn't seem great yet he was first in the field in birdies on average per round, which is, as you said, so he's obviously like knocking them absolutely stone dead. Like, so, yep. um, you know, yeah, fair play to him. You know, I, I think he's, again, you know what Joe was? Like when I saw him winning there and saw he's only 20, just turned 25, and I was like, that's yet another young American. You know, and he was like, might be in with a shout in two years time like i'm like fuck <laughs> yeah as if we didn't get beat up enough this, that's what i mean every yeah. time now i see like these young players on on tour they always seem to be american as like you know at, at the moment so i'm like jesus but uh yeah i mean you know it was yeah fair play to him though i guess and uh did you, did you see any of it at all or no not really um to be honest i was actually away now at the weekend so i know my dad said he watched the alfred dunhill um pretty much all that weekend he said it was actually very good golf it was yeah no it was brilliant i I really enjoyed it on sunday yeah no i i I didn't see any of the alfred dunhill uh you you saw a good bit of it though did you i did yeah so um it was a pretty pretty interesting leaderboard come come Sunday morning when I woke up. So closing out on Sunday or Saturday, uh, we had Danny Willett leading by three shots to a pretty stacked uh, four guys at, at 11 under, three shots back. So you had Richard Bland, you had Tyrrell Hatton, you had Shane Lowry, and you had a, a fellow Cork man, Brew, John Murphy, yeah. um, was in the hunt as well and, and actually got out in the final group on uh, on sunday the the event as a whole i think is is just brilliant so you have the, the well not not the best players in the world but definitely the best that europe has to offer coming together and playing three of the best courses in uh, in scotland so you have the the old course at st andrews you have uh Carnoustie and you have king's barns as well and the other great thing is that you have kind of uh, celebrities in the event and and non-celebrities as well playing with these uh pro golfers so you had stories like Tyrrell Hatton was playing with his dad and Billy Horsha was playing with his dad and, and it's, it's just a really really good event and just a great watch from a, a te- television perspective as well um, so Danny Willett eventually came out on top he survived a little bit of a there was a couple of chasers from the pack that came up and and got somewhat close to him I think the, the lead was down to one shot at, at one point and he made a, a huge putt from off the green in the uh, at some point I can't remember the exact hole, but at some point in the front nine he made a massive putt to um, kind of give himself a little bit of breathing space. In the end, he won it by two from Tyrrell Hatton and uh, Jackie Lagergren as well. Uh, but I think for for me the, the big story and the, the big takeaway, um, which I'm sure you'll you'll hear a lot more about um, back home brew is uh, is 
John Murphy mm-hmm. um, and how he played. So he started, this was his, uh, he actually got a sponsor's invite to play in the event and, and big time took advantage of it. So he was a, a Walker Cup star. He was playing golf over in the States for the last couple of years. And he is a member of, of Kinsale Golf Club as well. Um, and watching him on Sunday morning, he looked like a guy that has been out there for 10 or 15 years. Uh, really cool, calm and collected. He made an early birdie to steady him down. And he was he was right up there. He's right in contention for, for a long time in the, the front line. And there was a tee shot on nine he made that kind of cost him. Uh, it's a drivable par four. Got a little bit too aggressive and, and ended up um, in trouble taking a drop and double bogeyed. Um, but I think it's, it's a really good learning experience for him. I think he, he's 23 mm-hmm. years old and he got himself a nice paycheck of somewhere, I think it was about 80 grand or yes. thereabouts. And he got himself an entry into the, the Spanish Open this week as well. So a name to keep on the radar for sure. Um, yep. I think he'll, he'll feature on some some leaderboards. Maybe not in that competitive of an event. The likes of Danny Willett and Tyrrell Hatton won't be up there competing with him week in week out so I think yeah he's he's a name to watch out for in the next couple of years and it could be a a European tour winner in the next year or two for sure and hopefully a, a future podcast guest through that's it hopefully I'll, I'll I'll have to turn on the old car charm now and I get him on but um as well as you have to say I funny enough I remember uh I was choosing between Brandon Grace and Dickie Bland and I remember all of us were like Jesus you can't pick Dickie Bland <laughs> yeah and yeah. he actually played very well and I also actually have to say as well I think we all we're pretty much writing off um, most of the Ryder Cup players, and most of them actually like you know you've Tyrell, you've uh, Tyrrell Hatton, Shane Lowry, and Tommy Fleetwood all in the top seven. So yeah, yeah. You know, fair play to them, I guess, for actually. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I completely put a line through all of them. To be honest, yeah, no, same. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. Like, I mean, and I think. I think the other factor to consider as well. Um, and a guy that's worth mentioning it is it is Danny Willett. Um, he's yeah. He just sneaks under the radar. So what he was a hundred to one for the event this week, um, and he's now a, an eight-time European Tour winner, and he's a, a PGA Tour uh, or a Masters winner as well back in in twenty sixteen. So he's a guy that um, he likes to show up at the big events. So he's won multiple big money uh, tournaments, so the, the Dubai Desert Classic. He's won the the Tour Championship uh, a couple of years ago, the the BMW at Wentworth two years ago and now this um, Alfred Dunhill links as well so he's he's a guy I I just can't figure him out I, I've never mm. never bet on him when he's done well and he seemed like an obvious pick this week of a guy that's going to do well um, but I don't know f- f- fair play I mean it's good good to see him and maybe a guy to uh, consider for the, the Ryder Cup in this two years it, time like, potentially he, he was on the team the previous Ryder Cup wasn't he or, or was he not uh, he was on in 2016. 2016, yeah. I, I knew he was on at some stage, anyway, right? Like, yeah, so he, he could come back again as a more experienced type, but he's he's 34 now, and I'm not sure, judging by how good the Americans are, do we want to start? Do we want to keep getting these veteran because he'll be 36 come the next World yeah, Cup? So, do we want to keep getting these veterans on the team? Probably not. Maybe we want to blood some new young talent. Um, but yeah, no, he's he's anytime there's a big money event happening whether it's in, uh, particularly in Europe, I think he's, he's a name to consider. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. Um, okay, so yeah, that's pretty much uh, recaps last week's golf. Again, you know, we kind of 
pretty pretty missed in terms of our betting last week, unfortunately. But look, it we happens. Did. It happens. But uh, yeah, very, very very exciting. Even though we are down, we 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 have lost Donnie this week. We do have a special guest this week. Um, so Steve, do you want to maybe introduce him? Yeah, so we're delighted to be joined on the Fairway Finders podcast this week by uh, a former pro player, uh, a very, very keen and avid golfer, and uh, most importantly, uh, a new new dad as of a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ian Ford. Welcome to the show. How's it going, everyone? How are you guys doing? Not too bad at all. Good Not too bad. Room. How is uh, your cu- first couple of weeks as a, a dad been for you? Busy, sleepless nights? Yeah, it's it, 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 tired. <laughs> It's been good. Uh, a little tired. I'm um, just adjusting. It's it's more kind of adjusting to the type of sleep you get as opposed to the lack of sleep. I think we've been fortunate to have uh, our little man. You know, he sleeps pretty well. So there's just like every three to four hours, got to get up to feed. So if we can get that four hour gap, great. Um, if not, it's usually three. But uh, if you split it up and you know, kind of trade off and balance it out with the with the wife, then you know you can you can you can make it bearable but it's just kind of getting used to that uh that little uh intermittent sleeping that you get but it's it's well worth it let me tell you i mean it's uh we're over the moon our hearts are you know full to the full to the top and um we, we couldn't be more grateful to have our little man on the outside and uh he's I just uh, he's doing well mom's doing well and uh can't complain brilliant yeah no great to hear we appreciate you taking the the time out with the, the busy new dad like to, to come and have a chat with us um so yeah i mean obviously we want to get into a lot of the the good stuff and and the, the gossip from you uh being around the, the tour and uh Absolutely. you know maybe some stories about you caddying with uh caddying for nota begay and um you're you're kind of the, the highs and lows of being on tour but maybe if we can maybe jump back to the very start Dean, and, and when you first got into the game of golf and a little bit about the the early years of you you playing um here in canada absolutely yeah so i, I uh from a small town uh Sulicote, ontario middle of nowhere um we have a nine hole golf course with no driving range well it has a driving range about 200 yards and you have to go hit your balls and then go pick them up and then bring them back so <laughs> there's there a lot of that when i was younger i'd throw a bucket out there at a certain range and just hit to the bucket and you know and then i'd go and hit the golf balls uh, over the fence back into or you know, uh, on the other side. Um, so I, I was, it, it helped with the creativity, but, um, you know, I started in golf through partially my dad, partially, um, uh, a, a friend of mine who was kind of, we we're at that age, about 13, uh, 12, 13, and we we're just kind of sick of running around in the backwoods. And, you know, he was a avid golfer. And prior to that, when I was younger, my dad cut down a club and, he used to be a golfer at that time. So we had a big yard. I would hit my golf balls like to the end of the, to the end of the yard, big, long, you know, hundred, hundred yard kind of yard. And then, then there was woods and then I started hitting them into the woods. And then I, you know, kind of picked up golf around that 12, uh, 12 years old. And the golf course became our babysitter. My mom would drop us off at eight in the morning and pick us up at nine at night. And we'd have 10 bucks in our pocket, the Snickers bar and a Gatorade and, you know, off we were. So we'd go around and around nine hole golf course as many times we could. And that was uh, how, you know, I kind of got into the game. And then from there, I started getting good locally, started winning locally. Um, my parents were like, Hey, you're getting really good winning a couple local events. Like, would you like to do it at a more competitive, higher level? My family lived down here. My dad's side of his family lived down in Toronto so we kind of find, I fundraise around town to kind of, you know, crowdsource some money to be able to pay for the events, came down to Toronto, started playing on the Canadian uh, National Golf Association or Senior 
Canadian Junior Golf Association, kind of a national tour for juniors at the time. It was the biggest one. Um, and started playing on there. Had some good results the first year, almost won. Had like a top three. And then the next year I came out, I won two events and qualified for Team Canada. Um, and then, you know, as I, as that was happening, once I qualified, won in those events, I started having scholarships. I was also a very avid hockey player as well. So I was going through the ranks of hockey and it kind of got down to that hockey or golf type thing. And at the time I was like 145 pounds soaking wet. So I, you know, kind of hockey's demanding on strength, speed, height, all that, especially at that time. So I kind of chose golf, had some scholarship offers, Penn State, Michigan State, um, and then a private school named uh, Bethany College. It was the furthest south. It was part of K-State. So uh, I was like, I want to get as far south as possible or in golf all year round. Um, and once I went there, I, I kind of had this mentality that now that I have all the resources, you know, I'm going to commit myself. I really want to, I could see myself doing this. And, and that was a goal. And I never really had those resources up until that point. I was pretty much all self-taught, you know, just lots of golf digest reading books and watching golf channel and just implementing off of that. So it was kind of a home built swing that progressed into that. And then uh, once I got to college, I got a lot of the resources and just took advantage of it. Um, I was there for uh, four years, got my business degree. And nice. then um, while I was there, I was kind of recruited by university of Texas, university of Arizona. I was going to go to one of those schools, but I was unfortunately uh, not released by my school. So I ended up just staying where I was at focused on, you know, really plowing through and just, you know, maybe being good enough to be, to get on to one of the tours, uh, came out, played on a local tour in, in Ontario while I waited for my professional golf visa to the U S. Um, and then, uh, once I, you know, kind of did that, I started playing well in the, the local great lakes tour event, uh, you know, uh, tour in, here in Canada. And then from there I went to, uh, I finally got my uh, professional golf visa went down to the, uh, started on the e-golf tour, which is a pretty big tour on the, in the Carolinas. It's probably one of the bigger tours of the, in smaller mini tours in the U S. Um, and then from there I played on national pro golf tour, which is now evolved into, um, another tour. I'm drawing a blank on the name, but another big tour down there. And, um, and then, uh, from there, I also you know qualified for, uh, PJ tour Canada. I had conditional status out there. Um, was good enough to be out there um, and good enough to kind of compete out there was making the odd cut, but, you know, not really competing at that high level. So, um, so then from there, I you know battled it out for a couple of years. It's quite the grind, um, you know, course to course, I drove from East coast all the way from Vancouver. Well, actually from Texas where I moved to all the way to Vancouver from Vancouver, all the way out to St. John's Halifax. So Jesus. Um, the experiences along the way that's the uh that's the long short on my whole kind of bird's eye view of my career and how I got to that professional golf stage but uh but yeah I kind of ended on the PJ Tour Canada and just uh hung it up I got in a bit of a slump there and and um had a two-way miss and kind of rolled into the mental uh snowball going down the hill and uh and kind of got caught in that trap and unfortunately was presented uh with a good business opportunity or fortunately it was and um it just kind of seemed like the right time for me to maybe make that transition or you know take a step away from the game so uh you know that's kind of the long short on on the journey but uh you know we can get into the weeds on uh, any areas of interest there yeah i i have a quick question and i hope you don't mind me asking you this um like 
when you're playing in those tours down in the US, like, um, you know, you said you made a few cuts and all that stuff. Like, what, what was, because you had to physically get yourself there, I assume you had to pay for all of your, ex, your travel expenses, et cetera. Like, how much did the tours pay you? Like, if you made a cut, if you got in the top, say 30 or 10 or whatever like what was it structured per tournament obviously there's probably like some variance here and there but like roughly just because again i think these are questions that like honestly myself or your everyday golfer who like your everyday person who watches golf even would have absolutely no idea you know what i mean like so yeah so it, it depends it varies from tour to tour some tours you have to qualify for other tours majority of tours you kind of have to apply to apply for and have a you know obviously a, a positive handicap under under scratch to be able to even you know get in the event and then you have to pay for those entry fees for those mini those mini tours um and so those range from anywhere from 850 500 on the low side for maybe a two-dayer all the way up to you know 1500 on the on the high side for the four-dayer so um so yeah so like with the national pro golf tour e-golf tour for example i started out had to apply and then you'd get accepted pending your results and, and resume of golf. And so I got accepted there. So I started out there and then national pro golf tour, uh, you have to, you had to qualify for. So interesting enough, actually on the national pro golf tour, um, you know, I needed a place to play. Otherwise I was going to be mucking around on some, some of the even smaller tours, which, you know, can be even more of a grind as well. And so I was, uh, I played pretty solid. I think I was, you know, the numbers were, it was a hot, it was kind of hot, but rainy and windy and kind of weird conditions where we were playing uh, down in, in South Texas. And um, the scores were pretty high, but, you know, I think uh, I was around that kind of shot even par the first day, 75 the second day. So the third day I was kind of not playing too well, kind of on that 75 track. And I knew I had to like birdie the last two of the last three to make it so i birdied 16 went to 17 lipped out there and then 18 i i hit it in there about 15 feet and made made the putt and it was like i knew you kind of have a sense when you're playing professional golf when you're pl playing in an event uh you know where that cut line is it's just this kind of weird innate sense that you get based off of being out there playing conditions all that so um i got on the tour there um, and then with that tour, it was interesting because there was a lot of travel involved and all those expenses fall on you. Um, you know, the, the, the entry fees as well. Once you qualified for that tour, there's obviously initial qualifying school cost. And then once you get in there, the, the, it's a lot more affordable for the event. So, you know, if you win first, you're looking at 40,000. Um, you know, if you make the cut, you're probably making just more than your money back. Um, so you're kind of breaking even. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure. It's very entrepreneurial to the extreme. Um, and on that tour, I played a lot actually with, uh, you guys might know him, Tony Finau. He, he's, he yeah. won a couple of times out there and he won a, you know, had a great, uh, Ryder cup and, uh, is, yeah. class act. And then, and then with that too, you'd also play a lot of the other PGA tour sanctioned events by the PGA tour of America, like the San Antonio open. I played the New Mexico open. And, you know, one of my best finishes was the San Antonio open where I came, you know, tied, or I, I came second. I lipped out on 18 to get in a playoff and it was in the dark. So that, that was my most memorable finishes and, and the highest finish. Nice. And then the New Mexico open, obviously uh, sanctioned by the PGA, you know, it was always a good event to get into. That's actually where I met uh, a good friend of mine, Nota Begay. 
And um, it was one tournament I've only ever, only tournament I've ever beat him in. So I always hold it over his head. I beat him in his hometown, <laughs> his home track, and uh, you know he missed Step. the cup by one, and I made the cup by one. And uh, and so I always hold that over his head whenever we're you know talking shop, and he's uh, you know giving me the gears. I uh, I always it's the one I pull out of the back pocket and remind him. Hundred percent. Still hasn't got over it either. I bet. <laughs> uh, if if we jump back in, you mentioned that you were you're playing in a, in this similar tournament or same tournament as Tony Fino. So let let's say what, what does Tony Fino have to do from from that point to to get to where he is? Like just understand a bit about the 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 difference. You know, if I translate it to sport like soccer, you know, you have the the, the Premier League and then you have like League One, League Two. How does a guy like Tony Fino going from playing in in these types of tournaments to actually getting onto the PGA Tour and then getting yeah. getting to where he is now is probably one of the the top ten golfers in the world on his on his day and yeah. uh, star in the Ryder Cup team. So can can you maybe give us a bit of insight into that journey from um, playing on the the kind of um, th- those tours to to where the kind of pinnacle of the now. game is yeah. and what what that what that grind looks like. Yeah, it's uh, you know Tony. Tony was always that kind of standout guy. He always moved it really long off the tee. He was extremely well rounded. You know, had a good head on his shoulders. He's probably one of the nicest guys I think probably on tour. Um, you, a lot of people would say that say the same. And he's just the most uh, you know honest, authentic guy you can meet. You know, Tony played really well in the National Pro Golf Tour. He was winning. I think he won like four times that year. It was he was always in the you know top five too. He was always knocking at the door and. He, uh, you can just tell he had that extra level of, uh, of competitor in him and, and that extra level of golf, that extra gear to really get to. So, you know, you, 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 you want to have a place to play, first of all, and really compete and, and really learn how to compete in those four-day events and really kind of make cuts and, you know, compete at that high level. Another guy that was prominent on that tour that's out on the PJ Tour now is Joel Damon. And they yep. both kind of take took the, uh, the same um, – the same approach so they they played out there and then then once pj tour canada was bought out uh by the pj tour um which is now pj tour canada was the canadian tour um a lot of guys went north a lot of those guys went to it because it's a it's a circuit it's like uh triple a double a type circuit to mlb so you know you'd have to go play for and there's two ways to get onto the big tour there's either qualifying school that we all know about first second stage final stage which is now corn ferry PGA Tour uh, qualifying. It's no longer PGA Tour before you'd be able to top 25 get to the PGA Tour, which I, that's another box of worms we can dive into a bit later, but um, I think they should still have an element of that where you can get directly on the tour and offer that dream. But, you know, there's that aspect, but then there's also the aspect of like playing on PGA in the circuit, the PGA Tour circuit. So a lot of guys would, you know, go qualify for PGA Tour Canada. And then the top five at the end of the year would get status on the next tour. So corn ferry, and then they would get exempt to say final stage of PJ tour Canada school or corn ferry school, uh, qualifying school. So, you know, Tony was, uh, out there, I think he went, uh, top five. So he got exempt to, um, you know, final stage. And once he was exempt to final stage, then he played well in final stage, um, got out on the corn ferry tour, I think he won once out on uh, PJ Tour Canada and then went to Corn Ferry. And I think it was a pretty quick transition from that point. He he won, I think, his first year out and then got to the tour from there and it kind of never looked back. But, you know, Tony's journey has been 
you know, he's the ultimate journeyman. If you really look at it, I mean, he, yeah. started, he turned pro when he was like 17, 18, he was out on the mini tours forever, you know, and then finally kind of built that confidence, really got in that development system where it really allows you to kind of compete against those guys that are on the corn ferry that didn't play well, that are coming back down. And then new guys coming out of college and all that, that are, you know, the prominent ones as well. So lots yep. of tours have evolved from since, since then. So there's the for me tour, there's still PJ tour Canada and they, they they're structured. There's Latin, uh, PJ tour Latin America now. So the PJ tour has done a really good job to create that developmental system. So, you know, now the goal is to get to the corn ferry and then, you know, you play well out there on the corn ferry. And if you're top 25 before the finals, you get, you know, a PJ tour card. And then if you're in that the top 25 after the finals, you know, and that can change because the payouts and point systems are so, so great that, you know, you can go from just sneaking in the playoffs in the top 70 or to the finals and then getting, getting hot and winning an event and, you know, getting your PJ tour card. So there's kind of two ways now it's uh, it's a little tougher now than it was like when I first turned pro. And I think when I first, I don't know if I went to PGA tour Q school the first year, I went the second year. And I think the, the second year they changed it, but the first year they still had the, you know, top 25 get into, get a PJ tour card. Yep. And uh, coming back to that, you know, I think that, um, you know, PJ tour should still offer that in that final stage, like top three or top five, you know, if you, if you can, if you can get uh, all the way to the end of Q school and be in the top three, I think, I think you deserve it. Yeah. And, and now you get guys like Robert McIntyre coming over, trying to, you're competing against these established European tour pros. Absolutely. Steps, steps, Strack, I think got a tour card and yes. happy, happy Rad. It's like, if, if you're a, an up and coming kid on the tour, say how, how am I supposed to compete with these guys who have so much sponsorship, so much, so much everything going for them. It's like, it, it's not really fair. And going back to, to Fee now, I, I think that's probably why he is one of the most likable guys from a, a neutral perspective. Um, a guy that I think everyone would would root for just because he's he's come from, um, he, he's he's far for what he's he has and he's worked Absolutely. his way up and you see these like not that I know anything about Justin Thomas or Jordan Speed or these guys but, um, JT coming from a, you know his old man was a, a pro and and the coach yeah. and everything I think they they have a much easier path to get to get to where they are, um but yeah just one thing to touch on with you um Ian just about um Canadian golf as a whole and. I'd be interested to get your your perspective on it. Um, so if you compare Canada to a country like like Ireland, where the, the two boys are from, um, in terms of major championship winners, so you have th the last Canadian, from what I can remember anyway, is Mike Weir winning the Masters in 2003, um, is, is the last Canadian major champion. And then with a population of, I should notice if I'm going to do a citizenship test, I, I should notice, but uh, somewhere around the 40 million mark, I yeah, think. Yeah. Six to four, yeah. bounce around. Well, yeah, over under. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it. Um, and then you look at a place like the, the island of Ireland, not to get not to get into politics. Um, you know, you have about five and a half million people-ish um, there. And we've had the likes of McElroy, Lowry, McDowell, uh, Darren Clark, just off the top of my head, winning Shane major champion. Yeah. Shane Larry, Larry, up and comers like Seamus Powers and uh, those guys that I played on tour with, they're, you know, yeah. great golf. Golfers yeah. there. So what, what do you, cause maybe it's the circles that I'm in over here, but like Canada seems like a golf mad country and it seems like there's a huge 
uptake in the game and there's I know there's other sports going on but we could probably say a similar thing in, in Ireland as well so why, why haven't we seen Canada you know and I know we have Corey Connors coming through and um, Mackenzie Hughes is doing some stuff on the, the PGA Tour but and Taylor, I think Taylor Pendrith is definitely one to watch but why do you think we haven't seen Canada win more major championships in the last 20 years than, than just Mike Weir? Yeah, I think I think Mike Weir has been a bit of a trailblazer. Uh, he's an awesome guy. I've had the pleasure to get to know him through my career, and a good buddy of mine used to caddy for him, who's now actually Corey Connors' uh, caddy. And um, and yeah, I, I think it, it, part of it's cultural. Um, part of it's uh, you know that 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 culture that goes along with it. Obviously, Ireland is world renowned for their golf courses, world renowned for the type of golf that you have to play. So, you know, that plays an aspect right there is like, is the ability and the creativity that you need to be able to play and compete in a place like Ireland on courses, link style courses. So you'll see a, a bit more kind of robust golfers coming out of there where, you know, it's not to say that it, you, you don't see that in Canada. It's just, I think that, weather and the courses and that culture dictates that a little bit more um and then you know here culturally i mean the first thing we think of is hockey right and, and that's where the investment in that that's where like a lot of people are like you know pushing their their people and their kids to is is that hockey right and then golf's kind of that back seat and and mike weir kind of changed that you know he was the trailblazer he was the one that made it realistic to not only win on the pga tour but win a, a major championship and furthermore the green jacket you know so um for for what you know mike did for um you know canadian golf is um you know hats off to him because he's the one who kind of laid the footprints and then now you've got like we like you said Mackenzie Hughes I played on tour with him you know phenomenal guy another another Tony Finau type player where just all around great person overall you know you got the likes of Corey Connors Adam Hadwin you know all these guys are um you know a result of what Mike Weir was doing and then with that Golf Canada has done a great job on the development side and really creating programs to really invest in the up and coming people like the Mackenzie Hughes and the Adam Hadwins. They all went through the Canadian uh, Golf Canada development system, you know, when you're a ranked high amateur. And so that's helped as well. And, and I think, you know, that narrative is really going to change in the next five to 10 years with the likes of Corey Connors, with the likes of Adam Hadwin, Mackenzie Hughes. I think, you know, and then you got other guys that are coming up through that system that, you know, uh, Michael Gligic is a good buddy of mine, played on tour with him, another big journeyman, was out on the Canadian tour for quite a few years, you know, went on the Corn Ferry, had a very successful uh, campaign on his first year, um, you know, as he gains that confidence and that, you know, that self-worth of knowing that he deserves to be out on the PGA tour, you'll really see those guys kind of raise their level up within the PGA tour and not just on those smaller tours. So, you know, if I had to, you know, take a stab at it and, and really kind of put my you know two cents on, it would be kind of that cultural thing. And then kind of obviously that, uh, you know, the, the aspect of, you know, Canada is a little bit more hockey, Ireland's really golf and has amazing phenomenal golf courses. And then, you know, you're either going to be golfing or playing soccer or football, football, pardon me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then here, you know, hockey's the first one. And now, you know, with all the emergence of all these guys, I think that's going to really change guys will, you know, start kids will start polarizing to golf. And then I think we all know in the past year and a half here, it might yield some more because we had an 
you know, COVID and that just inundated people to golf and now golf's on steroids. So I think that narrative is going to change here in the, in the near future. And I, you know, I'm rooting for a lot of the guys that I played on tour with, like you said, Taylor Pendrith, another one up and comer yep. amateur right now, but soon to be pro Noah Steele. I mean, he just won a PGA tour Canada event as an amateur, like a couple weeks back. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, great Canadian golfers that are coming and, that, and it's a result of, you know, the footprints that, uh, and the groundwork that Mike Weir, uh, the trailblazer laid. Yep. Yeah. I, I also think just to even add to that, I mean, you know, we were talking with this in the Ryder Cup, the fact that the American team was so young and, you know, it, it's kind of looking like Jesus, like how we're going to beat them in the next 10 years kind of situation. But I think um, like my own opinion on it is the fact that, I think the caliber of golf course that you would get in Scotland, Ireland, England, I think was probably a lot higher. So I think classically yeah. the, the, the players would be better because of how difficult the courses are, as you said. But I do think the fact that in Canada and in the US, you know, you have the NCAA championships, like college golf is such a high caliber now. And you just, I'm not saying you don't get it in, in Ireland and the UK because you do, but I just don't think it's as, as high like I just think you know maybe in the future as you said I do think there's gonna be a big shift in who the who the best players in the world are going to be because I mean I just don't think the UK and and Ireland just has that college level yet Not, yeah like, nowhere near like you know you said you got scholarships to, to to go down to the US and you played down there and you know even I'm sure when you played in college I'm sure you probably came up against a lot of good players that are maybe on tour now you know Absolutely. um and again I'm not saying we don't have that back in Ireland or the UK but nowhere near that caliber like nowhere near no for sure and that's that's going to be helpful as well and that's really evolved you know also, you know, before it was very hard for Canadian golfers like myself to get scholarships, you have to apply to, you know, all these, literally send your golf resume videos, all that, and, and really try to work hard to, you know, get in there if you weren't a, you know, top golfer, which, you know, I was, you know, a competitive amateur winning on C Canadian Junior Golf Association, but, you know, there's a lot of, like you said, NCAA guys, and they, they cater to those guys first, so you'll see a lot of guys even over in the UK and Europe that, you know, I played with that were on my team you know, that were phenomenal, you know, and, um, and, you know, but having those resources, like you said, if you can get into the NCAA, I mean, that's where it is because the development programs that they have as well is obviously yielding, you know, exponentially, you know, they get like, coming back to Justin Thomas, Jordan speed. Yeah. I'm going to say all of them. Yeah. They're all Alabama, like they have all the resources. And let me tell you, when I went to university of Texas, university of Arizona on a, a recruitment scholarship, it was a whole different level. Like, I mean, you know, education takes a backseat. You're treated like a God. I mean, I was, treated very well where I was. I think if you're any kind of athlete in the NCAA, you're going to get treated really well, but it was just, it's just a whole different level. And, and those were two top 25 programs in the nation. So I really got to see what you do get when you go to one of those, you know, high, high powered schools, like, you know, Justin Thomas and, you know, uh, Jordan Spieth and, you know, the, the list goes on. A bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. And Matthew Wolf and Oklahoma State's program is probably one of the most renowned. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it does definitely yield a bit more. And, and there is definitely that aspect as well, you know, um, not thinking of it, uh, you know, and bringing it to light. There definitely is that for sure. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And maybe, you know, if we can ask you a little bit about uh about Noah de Begay and uh, the friendship that you, you've carved out with with him. So he's uh, obviously 
uh, as I'm sure a bunch of our listeners know, a legendary golfer on the PGA Tour. And uh, I saw some some pictures that you had the, the chance to caddy um, for him uh, going back a few years at yeah, one of his events. Yeah, so, yeah we, could, we could turn this podcast into... Yeah, exactly. The note of a game. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll try to keep it quick, but no... Nota and I actually, we met at the New Mexico Open the year that I, uh, you know, I, I, I beat him and uh, where, where we have a, a really close ties is, is Nota Begay is the only uh, full-blooded uh, native uh, PGA Tour player, uh, uh, person to be a full-blooded native, uh, indigenous native to play on the PGA Tour. Yep. Um, and, and, and on top of that, he's won on the PGA Tour four times. So yep. funny enough, about Nota is only one of like top, only three golfers. And I think the other two are Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods to win you know, uh, two times in his first two years. So, uh, you know, he won two, two, two times in his first year, two times in his second year. So I was at the, uh, you know, coming back to how we met, I was at the New Mexico Open. You know, I obviously idolized him growing up. He was the kind of guy for me that I looked up to, him being Native. I'm Native American. Um, you know, I'm Indigenous to, you know, um, uh, Indigenous First Nations Native here in Canada. Um, you know, I'm recognized as that. Um, so obviously wearing my orange today. I was going to say, yeah, exactly. In honor of the recent, uh, you know, national, national kind of day that we've uh, been designated, but, um, yeah. you know, we had that tie and, and he didn't know me at that time, but, you know, I was, I played pretty well the first day, but I just didn't score well. I you know, putted poorly. So I was, I was out late on the putting green and I look over and the only other guy out there is Nota Begay. And so like, it was kind of one of those like wow moments for me. Like I'm sitting on the putting green at a, you know, it's kind of emotional too, because I'm at the PGA tour sanctioned event. I'm, you know, it was my first PGA tour check as well. So it was, you know, I've always kept that one because it means a lot to me, but you know, there I am on a putting green putting with a guy that I idolized the four time PGA tour winner, you know, a guy who shot 59 played the president's cup. Like, I mean, you know, had he not been, you know, plagued with a back injury, you know, I think we'd be talking about Nota Begay in a different light today. I think we'd be talking about him being one of the, you know, best, greatest to ever play the game. So, um, you know, he was on the green. I just, I, I said, that, you know, I'm not never going to get this opportunity again. I'm just going to go say hello, you know? And so I said, Hey, look at how you doing, you know, gave him the, you know, most transparent, you know, speech I ever did. And then said, look at, I'm, you know, First Nations myself, I've always idolized you. It's an honor to be on the same putting green as you. And I just wanted to come say hello. And and then we just got talking. He was living in Dallas at the time and nice. he was there for a couple of years. That's where I was living. So, you know, he asked me how I played. I, I think I shot even or one under. And I said, you know, I got some work to do tomorrow. He was in the same boat. So, you know, we we're kind of on the putting green late for the same reasons, trying to find that hot putter for the next day. I, uh, I think I shot 66. He shot 67. And, uh, you know, I, I got, I birdied the last hole to make the cut and, and he, and he ended up missing by one. So to this day, like I said, I always hold that over his head and, um, you know, we met from there and then, you know, uh, he's like the next day, whoever, whoever beats who tomorrow is buying lunch. So I was coming up onto the patio and he, he yells at me, he says, am I buying lunch or are you? And I said, I said the number I shot and he said, well, sit down, I owe you lunch. So, <laughs> so I, I, I met him there and that was about, so I think eight to 10 years ago and probably 10 years ago, decade now. And, um, and, and so we just kind of commiserated, empathized on, you know, being native and where I was from and what we're doing, same struggles. So we got a lot, you know, we had a lot in common in, in that respect. And then, you know, him being in Dallas, he's like, look, here's my number, you know, hit me up. 
I want to help you out. And sure enough, you know, he did, he brought me out to, he was part of Dallas national, brought me out there. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and then from there, I've, I've been able to, you know, caddy for him, you know, work with him as a coach. He was kind of like an agent for me. So, you know, he's done a lot for me. And I think the one thing about Noda that people don't know is like how, how philanthropic he is. He has, you know, not only the NB3 foundation that helps, you know, um, you know, type, type two, type two, type three diabetes for childhood obesity. Um, you know, he's doing a lot of good things on the philanthropy side, but he's just the most helping, caring guy in the world. And I think, you know, uh, it, it doesn't come across enough, but, uh, yeah, we kind of started our friendship there and never looked back. And, you know, he's been a good friend of mine that really took me under his wing and gave me all the resources and, you know, golf's just really hard. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, a hundred percent. He seems like a, a, a good guy and, and a really good broadcaster as well. I know he's doing a lot of um, a lot of TV work and he was doing it at the, the Ryder Cup um, a couple of weeks ago as well. So he seems like he's uh, moved on to his new life as a, a golf golf media guy, I guess, if that's the best way to, to describe. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously he kind of fell into that. And, um, you know, I think I think we can all agree on his the way he, he goes about the sports commentary. It gives you a little bit more insight little bit more of that player's perspective of you know what the guys are working on what they're doing and 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 it kind of he, he's really really strong really elevated and you know and excelled in that part of his career now and in his new career and it, it's great to see him on tv and watch him kind of progress within that and you know i remember the first year he's out there and you know he's kind of rigid and and just not the nota that i knew and and the happy-go-lucky easy going jokester and i said and you know he was just asking for some constructive feedback. I said, man, just be you. And, yeah. and, and he's like, man, everyone's telling me that. I'm like, well, that's what we want, you know? Yeah. yeah and sure enough, I think after that, he kind of turned that page and, you know, he's one of the top guys in that, in that respect as well. And he's always fun to listen to, but uh, he's uh, extremely knowledgeable, extremely smart. I mean, he went to Stanford and, you know, even just outside of that, he's just a studious guy. That's always super, super aware. And, you know, he's also good friends with uh, Tiger Woods. So, uh, you know, I've had the pleasure to be able to, you know, uh, meet the meet the GOAT a couple of times. And I've, you know, I had some interesting stories on that side as well. But it's, uh, you know, noted, you know, outside of that note is just top notch. Yeah. Well, if, 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 if Tiger Woods is uh, listening and you want to come on the podcast, Tiger, please uh, feel free to uh, reach out. <laughs> yeah, we hope you're doing well, Tiger. <laughs> uh, right. So, Ian, I have a couple of quick fire four quick fire questions for you um so one golf course in canada that you can play unlimited amount of times which golf course are you picking um god that's good either cabot cabot links or capilano out in vancouver um both obviously rated really highly um been able to play majority of all the top tracks um so those would be the, the two that come to come to mind uh like you said quick fire um two other ones that are could, i don't know if i want to play it every day the nationals really 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 tough um so i don't know if i want to be kicked in the butt that many times uh, every day um but it's a fun course to play and then uh you know i'm always biased to my home nine hole golf course it's uh it's just a fun waste the roots and, and the roots and I, there's just something nostalgic about it that's uh fun to play i know the lines and it's uh, you know it never i never get tired of playing that but you know off the top of the head yeah you know right away you know capilano and uh and, and cabot especially now that there's cabot cliffs i haven't played it 
but I'm going to get out there here in the next uh, year or two now that COVID's kind of allowing us to do a bit more. Yeah, I've seen the commercials of it. It looks uh, looks sick. I need I need to get out there uh, for sure. It'll it'll bring you back. That's for sure. It's oh. that one actual course that's that'll bring you back when I on the Atlantic it, Ocean. Yeah. Yeah, when I played it, it was gale force winds, windy, rainy, but it just added to the experience. And it's a place that I could just, you know, I could play, you know, those two 18s. I just, you just find me out there. I'll, you know, stop me when I'm, when I'm, when it's dark or when you are forced to kick me off. Beautiful. Uh, favorite, uh, favorite golf course in the US from a playing perspective? Favorite golf in the US? Um, Shadow Creek, Las Vegas. Is that because it's in Las Vegas or because you like the <laughs> you like the golf course? Well, I mean, you know, Vegas always has that element, but it does. Uh, you know, uh, it's just truly remarkable. I mean, there's so many, like, you know, I, I just went through like 20 in my head. Um, I'm looking at doing a pretty big trip to uh, Pebble Beach, Cypress nice. Point, uh, you know, some of those big uh, West Coast courses here in December. So I, that might be trumped, but from the ones that I have played, you know, Cascada's up there in Vegas too, another course um, that's a, a Vegas course. Um, there's a lot in the, uh, like, Wingfoot phenomenal track. Um, you know, that was, you know, one of the ones. But I just think Shadow Creek play, playability-wise, you know, all the way around, find me out there. It's, like, exclusive. There's not a blade of grass out of place. It's, um, it, they say that if you were to be dropped via helicopter blindfolded in, to shadow creek you wouldn't think you're in the desert and it's true and they you can't see another hole from each each hole that you play you know and it's just I, they played the cj cup there um this yeah. year because of covid as opposed to over i think it's in hong kong or china there yeah and um yeah you, you kind of get a taste but you know there's not a this the whole experience you can't drive in there you got to take a limo in it's just everything from front to back they're betting the they're, there's lots of betting I, I ran into michael jordan on the on the driving range so i met oh, I, that's outrageous yeah i met michael Jordan. he's a full member there he had his own uh he had his own uh carolina blue mj you know the jump man on his cart and it was like a different kind of cart like souped up and you know he was like uh you know a cartoon character when i walked out there on the range i was like no way you know but uh i think that you know that might had had a, had a little bit of bias there but i mean it's just outside of that the whole experience the whole golf course it's phenomenal yeah yeah 100 percent uh next question you can have a, a four ball yourself and three others let's, let's say we're players that you played with um who would be your who would be in your dream four ball oh that's good um you know I, I have to throw my dad as much as i love i love my dad you know playing with him and you know just being around he's been my biggest fan um i think he'd be too intimidated to play um <laughs> so he's on it he can caddy for you he can, he, he caddy, can caddy for me in a heartbeat and uh and if you wanted to play he'd obviously be the the easy one there um you know he's been a big supporter of mine gave me a shirt off his back and um you know was always uh Rumi still does to this day so you know my old man would be kind of one of those easiest obvious picks um Noda no question um he's just he's just fun to be around he's he's so knowledgeable about the game I've learned golf shots that I didn't even know existed um you know from him so having him out there and we always uh you know get the gears going and um and then uh you know god it's uh I play with a buddy right now, and his name's Jesse Smith. He's out on PJ Tour Canada right now. He's uh, had a pretty solid year. 
think he was just short of the top five out there, which is a bummer, but, uh, you know, I, it's someone I just respect and, and admire. And he's, uh, I think one of the most underrated golfers, um, on, out there. And we've just always been good friends. Um, you know, other than that, there's a, there's a lot of guys that I've played with that, that, that would be on that short list as well that, um, you know, some NHL buddies, like my buddy James Neal or Mike Commodore, those guys are, uh, are beauties to play with. And, you know, pending, um, you know, we fill out those other two spots, maybe throw those guys in there well, make it a fivesome and, uh, you know, a uh, couple bets would be flying a lot of, uh, one-liners and, um, and some good golf too. So, uh, you know, I've been fortunate to be able to play with a lot of guys like that. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun in that respect, but, you know, those are, those are from the hip kind of, you know, where I'd, I'd probably be on, on, on that note. Yeah. Tough question. Tough question to be put on the it spot, is. to be fair. It is. It um, is. And probably an equally tough question. What, what would you say is your, your favorite golfing moment of, of your career? Oh, wow. Um, God, there's a lot of them, you know, like coming second, almost being in a playoff San Antonio open. That was a lot of fun. Um, you know, just being able to, at the time I, 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 I wasn't playing well and golf's just really funny. I mean, look at Danny Willett. I mean, he just won the Dunhill and like, where's he been since the masters, you know, he's been grinding hard and like golf's just really hard and it's funny and it's a poetic romantic sports. I mean, you know, you can be in the dumps and then, you know, win the Dunhill, you know? And so, you know, that was one of them, but, you know, just, just honestly, I think more it's, it's just the overall journey um, I know that sounds kind of cliche, but, you know, being Native American, coming from Northern Ontario, you know, nine hole golf course, you know, the odds stacked against me being able to, um, you know, kind of, it's an accumulation of everything, you know, not just that second, but like, you know, meeting Noda, you know, hanging out with Tiger Woods, meeting Tiger Woods, you know, um, you know, all those different things that happen along the way, it'd be more of the, the accumulative kind of vague answer of like really kind of at least getting to a, a high level and what it offered me. And, and through that, I think, you know, that's what I'm most proud of is, is to be able to kind of, you know, be somewhat of a leader for, you know, the, you know, uh, underprivileged or the people that, um, you know, don't think that they can make it coming from middle of nowhere, nowhere, Northern Ontario or some Indian reservation that doesn't have a golf course at all. Right. So, yep. um, you know, being able to kind of, you know, be that person obviously would love to make it to the big tour, but, um, you know, uh, you know, even getting as far as I did and, and, and uh, the accumulative, you know, high notes along the way from making cuts to, you know, all those little steps and playing on PGA tour Canada, PGA tour sanctioned event or beating Noda or, you know, things like that. They all just kind of add up and to one big experience and some I'm, I'm forever grateful for. Yeah. Jeez, beauty! It sounds like a sounds like a prepared answer to me, and that was uh, a yeah. that was yeah, that was you sick. know, I, yeah, that was sick. yeah, I just yeah, I was shooting from the hip, I, you know, I, it, it's hard to just pinpoint one. I know, yeah, so many put you on the, things, put you on the spot. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting, but you know, speaking of stories and kind of going from there, you know, uh, you know, being in New York, uh, catting for I, I caddy for Charles Schwartzel, I've caddied for JJ Spawn, I've caddied for um, Jimmy Walker. Uh, and then obviously Noda, uh, there's a lot of good experiences along the, that way, uh, along those roads as well. And, and being able to, you know, being around the, the big cat has been, you know, a really interesting experience. I've, I've never been one to be starstruck. I've always kind of been fortunate enough to be around, you know, just through the way I networked and 
where I've met people be around kind of high, high level caliber people, especially in golf. But, um, you know, meeting, meeting Tiger was like, whoa, you know, it was kind of like, again, like meeting MJ, it was like a cartoon. It, it's just like, these guys real, they, they have like an aura. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and, and they carry themselves in a way and they're, they're normal people at the end of the day. And, um, and, and that was the nice thing about, you know, Tiger is like, I got to see both sides of that. You know, I got to meet him, but I got to meet him in a setting that was very, you know, in this tree of trust and, you know, close circles. So, you know, we were in a private gambling suite in, in New York and, um, you know, he's gambling with a million dollars in front of him and, <laughs> Betting back, back betting the, the first two guys out of the gate, Mark, his agent. And, um, you know, I got Jimmy Walker beside me. I'm you know, noted to my left and, you know, there I am betting well out of my comfort zone at $50, $50 a hand while Tiger's betting $30,000 a hand out of the first three shoots. I mean, th first Fuck three are coming out. So, you know, um, that, that, that was like one of those moments of, wow, like, where am I, what am I doing right now? You know? And then, you know, gambling and, and actually a funny story to that, that gambling aspect is we were there and, and, uh, and he, and, and the cards come out and he gets like, uh, I think he got a split and, you know, he, something he had to split. So he, he, he doubles, aces, maybe. he might've been aces. He doubles down, he gets another split. So doubles it down again. And then he gets, you know, um, he gets, uh, he, he kept on pairing. So it went out to like four or five hands. And so like, he needed like, 10, 10, five, six, you know, six, like that's what he needed. And so I said, I said, I kind of named it out. I said, give us the 10, 10, five, six, six. And, and so I, the dealer's dealing on it. And I mean, he's got 30 grand times five hands times doubling down. I mean, there's probably, he's probably got a quarter of a million dollars on the table and, and it's coming out and he hits the first one and he hits the second one. And he hits the third one. And as he's hitting the third one, I say, I say, or the second one, right in between the second and third, I say, better than most, better than oh. most, better than most. And the last one hit and he's better than most. And like everyone erupted, he came over, he like grabs me and he was like, shake me. He's like, yeah, you know, did he, so, did he give the full set the full Augusta celebration as oh, well? Oh man. Yeah. He was, I mean, he, I mean, he, he's so passionate. He's so smart too. So he's the one who's like, don't hit that, hit that. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty aware of obviously being on the blackjack table or else I probably would have got kicked off of that one. And, um, you know, 100%, just, kinda, just a fun moment there. And then, you know, this, that whole night that, you know, there's a lot of other guys like, you know, me and Lee Westwood and Henrik Stenson, we, we got into one that night and those guys are, those guys are a lot of fun. <laughs> so, Particularly, you know, I think Westwood in his early days was a wildcat, but, uh, Oh man. And, and he's just, he's got all the jokes and like, I, I spilt a Heineken by accident. There's nothing worse in, in life than being under the influence and not actually doing it because of the influence and having described that yeah. you didn't do it because you're you're drunk it just happened so i i, I spilled this bottle of heineken across the roulette table and lee westwood the whole next day wouldn't let me wouldn't let me uh not hear it you know i came up on the range and he was just giving it to me and uh and and he's a fun guy and and so through that like i said through noda and stuff i've had some really interesting opera opportunities and being a part of uh some unique stories, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and so, you know, being around the big cat, being around Lee Westwood, you know, um, those are all always been fun. And then, you know, catting along the side of Ricky Fowler, catting for Charles Schwarzel, uh, probably the best other than Hunter Mann, who I played with that, uh, 
ball striking on a, on a whole different level. Like, you know, he didn't play the golf course. I was caddying for him. He's like, have you seen the golf course? I'm like, yes, I've played it. And I've mapped it. And he's like, all right, I fly, I cover 282 with a cut and you know, my shot tape is generally a cut. So I said, okay, so if you step on the first tee and I'm like, it's a dog leg, right. And there's a bunker there and the bunker is 280 to cover. And I said, well, like, see that pine tree right there. If you, if you hit a cut off of that, you're going to be perfect. And, uh, and there's a little power slot there. Your fate will work right into it. I swear to God, he did not miss that. The center of that pine tree. Like, <laughs> no, I do it too. Exactly. So then, so then, uh, so then we get in the next shot and I'm like, well, it kind of works into this bowl. I'm like, if you hit a little, like a low, like flighted skipper back there, it'll kind of just catch that bowl. Sure enough, skipper back there, birdie birdie's the next one birdie's the next one you know and i'm just telling him like and it was like it was like impressive to be the caddy because i was like just hit it there with a cut sure enough that day we shot 65 uh at turning stone resort without ever seeing the golf course so you know being that level of ball striking especially it was pretty close to when he like you know two years removed from the master uh from his master's uh, when there it was just it was unbelievable to watch he probably should have shot 60 59 like we missed a lot you know and it was it was just impressive to watch and then you know hunter man i played with him and in, in dallas with through noda and and watching him play i mean this guy would just hit laser beams like literally dead straight like people like a lot of tour pros will move it into a pin you know yeah. back in like he just go right at it and like at the time i mean this is when you know, obviously he's kind of the cruel game of golf has got him on the on the slump side right now but i mean at, in his prime he was he was elite he was um, insane ball striking, yeah. ball striking was just unbelievable. Yeah, i remember him so well and i tell you you bring up charles schwarzelin and, and that segues us nicely onto uh the preview of the the t- uh, tour event this week which is yeah. um <laughs> which is the um TPC, it's at TPC Summerlin. It's uh, the Shriders Children's Open, um, and we'll, we'll run through a, a little bit of an intro to the core. So we're playing uh, as at a TPC Summerlin. It's uh, been a, a fixture on the tour since I think the, the early eighties, and uh, it's the site of Tiger Woods is uh, your buddy in his first yeah. win on the PGA Tour. Um, so we have a pretty pretty stacked field this week um, the, the golf course is a par 71 it's uh, just over 7200 yards and it's also about 2000 feet above sea level uh, Bermuda grass fairways, bent grass greens and uh, we have in terms of previous winners Martin Laird is our defending champion uh, who beat uh, Matt Wolf and Austin Cook in a playoff uh, Kevin Nah has done well around here and the likes of Patrick Cantley, Bryson and speaking of guys out of form is uh, Smiley Kaufman was a winner around here come back quite wow. a while so poor Smiley golf's hard I'm telling you like you know look at that that's a prime example of it but exactly uh, but no uh, you know it's it's a phenomenal golf course. Um, I've played it a lot um, you know it it being like you said at, at that high sea level being in the desert the ball just always flies further. So it brings in a lot of, a lot of the field. And you'll notice that if you kind of go through, you know, the year on year, you'll see a lot of guys that, you know, first time winners, you know, and, and, yep. and conducive to that because, you know, uh, desert golf, you know, it's a little bit more fair 
off the tee. So it, it and then with that that distance and that sea level, it, it it allows a lot of those you know shorter hitters to you know really be in the mix that have good short games like the Abe Answers. You know, um, he's going to be a guy that you want to look for. He's, um, you know, he's coming off uh, T fourth last year. He's been playing well coming in. Um, so he's one of the ones, like one of the more notable ones that I would pick that isn't a big bomber. Obviously, I think Brooks is in the field. I don't think Cantley is, um, but no. Cantley plays really well there. He was, uh, I was disappointed not to see him on the list because uh, there might have been some, some money being thrown at him depending on the odds there. But, um, you know, especially off the, uh, Ryder Cup energy that he was giving off. He showed some emotion there, and that was fun to watch. Um, but uh, you know, I crazy enough. I mean, you know, Sam Burns is coming off some seriously hot golf, and you know, Sam Sam was negative two shot stroke gain on putting last week, and he won the golf tournament. So that's insane. That's his like you know when you went to a PGA Tour event. If you look at the PGA Tour uh, stroke gains stats of that week. For that winner they're always in the top three if not the top guy that week so if sam can sort out his putter this week look out i mean he might he might back it up you know yep. and especially being a multiple uh multiple winner on tour now he knows how to get it done so it's not going to be that exhausting week where you come off a win and you know it's a whirlwind immediate days and all that he might roll in and you know work on that putter and just keep it rolling especially with his distance and it being in desert golf he plays well there Yep. Um, I know it's a, it's a soft one to kind of throw a uh, back-to-back guy out there, but I mean, you know, based off the fact that he's, uh, you know, his putting isn't anywhere near it should be, you know, look out because if he gets that flat stick going, I mean, he's going to be hard to beat, but I think uh, some other guys and first time winners that you might want to watch out for that are a little bit more notable is like Will Zalatoros. It's a great course sets up really well for him. He's coming from Texas where he plays on Bermuda and bent grass so he's going to be really comfortable out there um and then you know with that he's just been playing some good golf had a great showing last week um you know another guy that i think um you know canadian uh, that we need to really watch is um cory connors i mean talk about a guy that's been knocking on the door um a little biased my buddy caddies for him i know Corey a little bit through you know being on tour being around those guys but um you know all bias aside i mean he's playing phenomenal golf right now he was playing really well last week i think he was top top 10 going or i think he was seventh going in the final round when birdie birdie eagle to start was tied for the lead and then just kind of stumbled a little bit but you know through those those, those blocks, um, uh, those learning, learning blocks that he breaks down and being, I think was top five at the masters. I mean, he's ready and he's poised for his first win. So, you know, if if I had to put safe money on, on guys, I think it's going to be a first time tour winner this week. Um, you know, like a Will Zalatoros, a, um, you know, a Corey Connors might get his first one there, you know, maybe a a guy like Roger Sloan, another Canadian that's kind of had a great week last week. This You're playing well. Um, those guys, uh, you know, coming from bent grass conditions in the north are going to Vegas and, you know, we're going to be on bent grass. So that's going to be a lot of fun for them. Um, some other some other dark horses that you really want to watch out for. And uh, they've got some good odds. I looked them up. They're almost all at like 101 are uh, Denny McCarthy. He another t- speaking of first time PJ Tour winner, um, you know, he's he's looking for his first uh, plays really well. Um, played really well last week. Uh, he was like, you know, not, I think third going in the final round and then just had a shot one over at a, you know, tough day, but that learning curve is going to really kind of fire him up. And then uh, two other guys would be um, 
uh, Pat Perez, local, plays TP Summer, Summerlin a lot. He's going to have a lot of fun. Yep. You, you can probably catch him out at the uh, at the hot dinner spots at night with all the boys. <laughs> but, you know, he's in his backyard. And he loves a birdie he, fest as well. Oh, he loves it. And that's what Vegas, you know, Vegas and, and, and that golf is, is you need those high powered guys that are going to be playing well. And, you know, when you're just comfortable out in your home court, home track or, you know, you're in your backyard, you seem to kind of always find something. And that's why you see a lot of repeat winners at certain events. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, one other real dark horse that I think, you know, not a lot of guys will even know about sometimes is, uh, is JJ Swan. Um, he's a, uh, lives in Arizona now. Um, he's always played well on the West coast, always played phenomenal desert golf courses. He's a member out at whisper rock in Arizona. Um, he's been, you know, kind of up and down and, and just kind of flying under the radar for the past couple of years since he's been out there. He's a good friend of mine. He used to caddy for him as well. Uh, caddy for him, the Canadian open top 20 there. So, I mean, he's, um, he's looking for his first win and he's a real dark one that you might want to throw, you know, maybe, you know, Love kind of lower, Love lower box and take advantage of those odds because uh, you, yeah. you might catch some fire, but, uh, yeah. So th those are my kind of a uh, couple dark horses for you. A couple, uh, obvious ones. Um, you know, the main obvious ones are coming back. It'd be, you know, Abe answer, Sam Burns, and then, uh, Kevin, Na. he always seems to play well in desert conditions and likes yep. to take it low. And then he just, he knows how to putt. So you put him on bent grass and he might have a hot week again. And like I said, previously went in there. Might, might loves be a good it. recipe. Loves so it around here. Those are, yeah. those are the, the, the long short list there, but, uh, take what you want from those and we'll, we'll see. But, uh, there's some good firepower. I mean, Brooks Kapka's playing, you know, he likes to bomb it and getting out there on those dead courses might be fun for him. You know, we'll see, but there was also that factor of being in Vegas too. And there's a lot of temptation there. There so. is. Yeah. That, that's why I worry about Pat, Pat Perez a little bit as well. Yeah, Pat Perez yeah. might, uh, he might take a, a taxi into this, the, the city center and, and go, you might be right. Hit, hit the tables, but, uh, Drew, you have a, a couple of picks as well. Um, yeah. Like to be honest, though, um, it's actually interesting. Cause I think, uh, I'm not going to jump the gun here, but I think this might be the first time that we have complete parity in the uh, podcast, meaning I think all of us are, are choosing the same golfer, at least one of them. Um, but I, I, was, I was having a look. It's actually a very, very good field. Um, and I think I'm looking at a few people. I think, as you said, I think a few people might accidentally miss the cut, you know, um, <laughs> but uh, like, you know, like the likes of uh, Son J.M., I think he'll, <laughs> as much as I like him as a golfer, I think he he likes the party a bit, so um, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, I think as even as like Ian said, like you know, you've like Willie, like Zalatoris, you have Sam Burns, you have Abraham Answer. All of them are twenty five to one, and I think all of them are extremely good value. They've all been playing well. Any of the, those three could win, to be honest with you. Um, I backed Willie Zalatoris last week. He just couldn't get it into the final gear. I think that he needed. Yeah. Um, started off very very strong. Um, and just Sam Burns just just had an absolutely outrageous third round, and just he just couldn't really get it back after that. So I'm actually am backing Abraham Answer this week. Um, you know, I, I just think this type of course really really suits him. Um, and then my other pick is a bit of a different one. I'm gonna go with Walking Nyman. Oh, um, okay. And. I think he it's a bit of a sore spot. I think myself and Steve have backed him quite a bit <laughs> over yeah. the last year. Um, I'm done and with him. I think it was like the one week he he won, we didn't back him. Um, so 
Look, I, I, I think he's 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 a great player. He's forty to one this this week. Um, you know, and I, I think you know, I think he's thirteenth um in driving distance. Um, he's twentieth um strokes gained. So you know, I think just with with the value at forty to one, I think he's definitely worth a, a punt. I like that. I like great. that a lot for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I have uh, I've three darts myself this week, and I'm I'm going changing it a little bit from playing the safe each way, um, strategy to just going guys who are going to turn up and win. Um, so bet number one, my my biggest fancy of the week is Jason Kokrak at fifty five to one. I like it. I like it. Yeah, so he's he's coming off his best every year. He's born in Ontario, which will uh will take that. Uh, I think it's it's a very good price on him this week. So he's coming off a, a two-win season last yes. year. Uh, Charles Schwab and the CJ Cup. Really, really good putter. He's statistically, in, in terms of putting on um, Ben Grass, he's he's right up there in a ranking perspective. And uh, I just think he's full of confidence. He's going to try and get his year off to a good start. And uh, I, I like him a lot to go, go close on Sunday. Um, pick number two. Fermi is a defending champion. Well, not defending, but former champion around here is Webb Simpson. At uh, he's twenty eight to one. I got him at. I batted uh, him for a while. I, I was gonna throw him on my short list, the, the, the notable uh, list, but I was I was kind of bouncing around and I had to take Corey Palmer's my guy. Yeah, yeah. The, the, there's a bias coming in. You know what I mean? It, it happens. <laughs> It's why I always back Seamus Power and, and Shane Lowry, you know what I mean? So, um, so Webb Simpson last year, he had, I, I would say, a disappointing season um, for, for Webb. Um, so he didn't have any wins. He didn't really do much in major championships. Um, but he likes his track. I think the course is built almost for a, a guy like Webb, who yes. is pretty solid off the tee, can get, get the ball close to the hole. Uh, if he gets in trouble, he's one of the better scramblers on tour. And he's uh, when he gets rolling, he's a great putter. So he won this event by uh, six shots in 2013. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, Webb turns up on Sunday with a, a little bit of swagger and, and goes and wins by a couple. I like that one. I like that one for sure. Uh, yeah, I like a little, a little bounce back Webb Simpson story. And then last but not least uh, is... It's the first time myself, Brew, and uh, Donny, um, our, our other uh, host that hasn't who isn't here today, but he's also on Abraham Answer, um. So he's twenty five to one, which I think is is actually a fair price for him. Um, yeah, oh yeah. He's just been playing unbelievable golf the last two to three months. So he won his first event, as we know, at the the FedEx St Jude. Uh, he's had a good run in the playoffs ninth in the tour championship he's off a break he drives the ball i think he was fifth on tour last year for accuracy great iron player and if he just get if he gets the potter hot i think uh, abe is gonna be oh, bang there on sunday so absolutely. he's got a short he's a short game wizard as well so yeah you know he's he just has and he'll have a bit of swagger now after after getting that that win as well. So um, three picks for me: Abe Answer, Webb Simpson, and Jason Kokrak, all straight up win bets. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, looking forward to it. Yeah, the back end season is always fun to watch in a in a roundabout way. You know, you got guys that are hungry, chomping at the bit to try to get their first win, or you know, and you got 
other guys like Webb and Abe that are want to get their season off to a good start coming off either, you know, a mediocre campaign or a, a strong campaign like Kokrak and Abe, right? So, yep. um, you know, Roland, actually quick story on Kokrak. He was actually one of the first guys on the e-golf tour, which is one of the more prominent tours. He was playing the Carolinas a lot. And, uh, you know, good Southern guy. I think he was living, I think he lives out that way. Um, anyways, he's super long off the tee, like to a point where I didn't really see that before. And when I went on the e-golf tour, I got paired with him and he was the one guy that I was like, holy cow, I got to start working even harder than I'm already working or smarter at least. Cause he was just phenomenal. He, he would take lines that I just, I was like, I, I that's not, there's a golf course over there, you know? And yeah. He hit, he had so long. He's one of the first like real long guys, um, that was out there, but he, uh, he wasn't fun to watch. Holy cow. Did he, he, he's a happy go lucky Southern boy. Easy, easy going. But, uh, but yeah, I like that pick. So there's some good picks there. I think all around there's, it's going to be an interesting tournament. And like, uh, Mike was saying earlier in the, you know, uh, when we started this, it, the field's really, really strong this year. And so you're going to see a lot of guys. It should be a really interesting tournament, but these ones are always fun to watch here in the fall. Yeah. And we also have the Spanish open. So over in the European tour, um, we have the open to España, um, John Ram won it back in 2018 and 2019 by two shots and by five shots. Um, his Euro strike rate is 29%. Um, and it's actually right. If, if you take out his open appearances, it's actually 40%, uh, which is quite high. Wow. Um, so the club, the Campo via the, the D, D Madrid uh, hosting again after <laughs> one, 2019. One more time, bro. I know, yeah. <laughs> uh, while hosting, it, uh, it also hosted the, the Madrid Masters in 2008, which was won by Charles Swartzel, we were talking about earlier, um, and opened uh, Madrid in 2001 to 2005. It's a 7,100-yard par 71, so quite short in comparison to some courses these days. Um, there's been... Someone shot a 60 here once in 2005, and uh, Padraig Harrington has won here twice um, in 1996, which was his first win, and in two, 2000. Um, so just straight off the bat, um, I want to say I used to work in, in betting, Ian, uh, I, I, and it is the big, like in terms of when you're trying to do odds for a player, um, you basically want to add, you want to get your book adding up to about 100 to 110. Okay. Um, which basically means like how much percentage each player will take up. And John Ram is going off at just over two to one, which in golfing terms is is the lowest I think I've ever seen for a golf. Like that's like a golfer taking up 80% of your book. Like yeah, that is absolutely mean. scandalous that a golfer is going off that short. Now I totally get that he's won the last two times here, 2018, 2019, and won by two shots, won by five shots. But, oh, I mean, look. He's, yeah. he's, the, be he's the best golfer in the world by some. He's the best golfer in the world. And by with, some distance, I think. But I, if you're backing him at two to one, like, my, you, you need a... You need your you need head, head examined. Like, yeah. yeah, like... like you much know, money, like, maybe, or... I think myself and Donica backed him was it earlier this year at seven to one or eight to one. Seven, and even, with, with time, bro. With time. 
the one that he won. Oh, okay. Right. The one that that you gave us fierce abuse that he was too short, but he still ended up winning. But I mean, this is uh, this is where I this is where I like draw the line. Like this is no like if you're backing a golfer at anything less than six to one, don't. Even if they win, I I promise you, it is not worth that risk because it's too low. The like return on your it's value, one hundred and fifty man feel like it's yeah, it's, it's uh, nonsense. It's absolutely it nonsense. Doesn't make don't sense. get me wrong. Is he the best out of those 150 <laughs> players? More than likely, yes, he is. Oh, without but, doubt he is, yeah. Without doubt. But I mean, is it still worth that risk that he is, you know, just a bad weekend? No, it's it's really not. Yeah. Like, it's really not. So yeah, that's, that's insane odds. I mean, like, he obviously is having one of the best years of his career, if not arguably the best career of his of his year and he's been plagued with a lot of bad luck from the memorial getting pulled when he that's an asterisk that he should definitely would have won i think we can all mm. agree that uh that might have been a one-to-one there <laughs> yeah. yeah but um you know uh and then obviously not being able to play in the olympics you know that, that that's a bold bold two to one but um you know he's obviously playing some really good golf and then coming back to my you know theory on just being comfortable in a, in a place that you've won before and you know that that's probably where that's coming from but uh you know some other good guys in that field and i don't know if alex noren's in the field but he's he was playing some good golf last week um you know uh luke donald's really do i mean that guy's been working hard flying under the radar for a long time plays well over over there he might be a bit of a you know sleeper for that and then uh you know you've got a lot of good you know just diverse names from like Harding and Murphy and some of those guys that can really kind of just show up out of nowhere, but it'll be interesting to, to see as well. Yeah. hundred percent. Brew, I think you have a, a pick or two for, for this week. I, I have nobody personally. So I, haven't, I, I actually don't have anyone for the Spanish open. I, I was looking and it's just, even with John Ram taking up so much of the book, it basically pushes everyone up really, really high. Yeah. I still just can't justify backing in on. I just can't. I like it's the book is so broken because of how short Ram is. Like, even like Ian, like when Tiger was at his absolute prime, yeah. like he was dominating, he was still going off like two or three to one. Like, you know, what I mean, like that, that, that that's what we're talking about. We're talking about this is prime Tiger numbers here. I know right? it's like insane. so, it really just, is. It just like no, I just look like for anyone look. There's really good value in the market because John Ram is so low. Um, yeah. I just honestly looked, opened the book, saw John Ram was at two to one, laughed, closed the book. I have no interest. <laughs> like no interest. Like just... I think that sums it up, bro. To be fair, I think that that's uh, that's all that needs to be said. I think Donny Donny who couldn't join us today has one one pick. I think in uh, eighty Arn Arnaus. The Spaniard, yeah. I think oh, he was yeah. about 66 to one, something, something like that. But yeah, I, I probably, I won't be waking up early to watch, to watch no. John Ram just demolish <laughs> some, some the, more uh, innocent Europeans. The Aussie New Zealander, uh, Mean Lee, he's been, uh, in Boo, uh, yeah. uh, uh, up New Zealander that plays well, um, you know, in, in, in those types of conditions. So he might, he might be someone, um, you know, but this is me just shooting from the hip. I didn't take a deep dive into, uh, the field but uh you know rama two to one i mean don't get me wrong he'll probably be top five but trying to ro roll the dice and put some cash on him would be uh that's no. a tough play i mean like look like i did as i said before 
he could easily win. Like we could be laughing. John Ram oh, yeah. Sunday could win by seven, eight shots. I don't care win. though. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I, I'm saying from a betting point of view, it's still a dumb bet. Like it just is like, you yeah. mean, even if, even if he wins, it's still just odds and value wise. It just makes no sense. It just doesn't. Yeah, it's simple as that. Better investments out there for sure. Exactly. Exactly. 100%, 100%. Yeah. Take, take, um, one of our, take one of our dark horses for the, for the Shriners. For the Shriners. Jay, instead, JJ exactly. Spawn. I'm, I'm, you've convinced me on that. Uh, He's just he's a dark sleeper, I think. Like, yeah. um, there's a lot of good conditions going his way, and and I just know the competitor he is. And uh, you know, so like his first time winners are usually kind of come out in the fall with the Sanders and and the Shriners. So yeah. so we'll see here. So um, you know, he's he's my one to be, and I I think his odds are are really big. So it might Dude. be with a, a little uh, a little tickler there to maybe get the excitement going. He started the tournament there last week really well. Just kind of came flat in the in the final rounds there kind of like a will zalatoros there he, he he played really well like he was trending and i was like wow this, he's gonna do her this week for sure and then just kind of like mike was saying a bit flat on the weekend there so yep. the, the nice thing about that is when guys are doing that they're close and and you learn from that and you're like you know i'm not you know i was there last week and i'm not doing that again and then you kind of dig a bit deeper and 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 come out so uh so that's where I'm at with uh, with the picks, but uh, you know we'll see how we'll see how this plays out this weekend. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And uh, look, I think we'll uh, we'll uh, leave it there. I just want to say again, thank you very much for our coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, thanks for no telling problem. us all those, been... all, all those stories. They were great. And uh, you know, best of luck if you're getting back on the uh, the uh, amateur scene again. You know, yeah. best of luck. And if you're playing in uh, a, a tournament, you know. Um, myself and Steve might uh, pop up and uh, give you some uh, support or something, you know. Good, the, good, yeah. The make masters, a few, yeah. Make a few point, pints and uh, you know, get 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 the rowdy side out there. So well, out, out. Yeah. That's <laughs> it, yeah. okay. I will see you at a We'll see you at a right? That's it. Yeah, you can uh, give us some uh, you know, media uh, credentials for that or something. You know, maybe. perfect. <laughs> I definitely will. Well, Steve, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having yeah, me on. Perfect. And, um, you know, I look forward to it down the road. Maybe again. Yeah, hundred percent. Thank you so much, Ian. Thank you. Cheers, All right, boys. Just take a moment to admire the fact I just hit a fairway. There's, there's only two things that can happen. You can hit a good shot or a bad shot, so why waste time doing it? And where I would go, I, wherever I set course records or whatever, I would be barefooted, drunk, playing golf, making every 20-footer I looked at. Right at it. Right at it! Home! Oh, oh, he's done it again! This is the dumbest hole I've ever played in my life. Come on then, Shane. Knock it close. Shane Lowry is the Open Champion.